Good morning, and welcome to this morning's worship here at um, Bamford Bridge. Um, I have a couple of extra notices before we start this morning. One is just uh, from Eric, um, Christmas greetings. Uh, there's some order forms around for Christmas greeting. It's all right, he's turned it up. So uh, the order form for Christmas greetings um, is around, if you can let Eric, if anybody wants to put a Christmas greeting in the sphere, um, let Eric have the form um, as soon as possible and before the thir- or before, by the 13th of November. That was that one. Um, the defibrillator, which is in the box outside, has been damaged. Um, there is one in there at the moment, which is on loan, um, but to raise some money towards replacing it, Linda Morgan and, and Ellen Savage are arranging a Christmas afternoon tea on Saturday the 10th of December here in church at 3pm. Um, tickets are £10. All the money will go towards uh, buying a new defibrillator. Um, so um, see Linda or Ellen for your tickets for, for, for that event. Okay. Um, we welcome Alan to lead our service this morning, back from your travels. And very welcome back, Alan. And we look forward to, to hearing you this morning. Let's start the, uh, as we commence our worship this morning, let's have a few moments quiet. And paraphrasing a few words from the song. We thank you, Lord, for this fine day. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us peace. We thank you, Lord, for setting us free. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right where we are. Here this morning, Lord, we come to give thanks and to praise you. Amen. Morning, everybody. It's great to be back. Um, Having been preaching in the wilds of Hull and Kingsfold and then off to Canada, it's uh, particularly nice to be back with you this morning and, uh, and leading worship as well. The twin themes of our service this morning are hope and grace. So we're going to start our service with a hymn that's all about hope. It reminds us that all our hope on God is founded And he's one in whom we can put our trust. It's 455 in Singing the Faith, or it's on the screens for you now.
And so we continue with our worship now as we come to God with our prayers. Let us pray. Lord God, we have come here this morning because it is in you that we place our trust. We come here this morning to join with our friends, to share together in the hope that comes from that trust. We thank you, Lord, that you will not let us down. We thank you that when things seem difficult, we can come here to your house. We can focus on you. We can sing our hymns and bring our prayers. But above all, we can come to feel closer to you. We can come to learn more about you and listen to what you have to say to us. So that we can go forward from here and take that hope into our lives in the next week. Share that hope with the people around us. Express that hope in the kind of things that you would have us do. We thank you, Lord, for what you've given to us and we thank you for the opportunities you provide to share that with others. Show us how in the coming week We can share that hope by listening to the people around us, by being there for them, by acts of kindness. Above all, Lord, we thank you that all our hope is founded on you and on your Son, Jesus Christ, who came amongst us the greatest gift of all, the reason why we can have hope. The reason why we know that we can trust in you. But Lord, we come this morning too, knowing that in spite of all of that, still we fall short. Still we do things that we are ashamed of. Still we don't do all the things that we know you would have us do. So we come this morning, Lord, too, to give you thanks for your grace. The grace that offers us the chance to come here this morning and say that we're sorry. To ask for your forgiveness. To know that our sins have been forgiven. To know that we are loved with your ceaseless, unexhausted love. Unmerited, but freely given. We ask all these prayers, Lord, and the prayers we brought with us in our hearts as we say together the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. 
Amen. And so we sing again. The kingdom of God is justice and joy. For Jesus restores what sin would destroy. God's power and glory in Jesus we know. And here and hereafter the kingdom shall grow. It's 255 in Singing the Faith or it's on the screens. So, um, I've been on my travels, just back from Canada, but back, back in the summer, I went to the Gambia and um, went to see my friend Jiro. And uh, Jiro knows that I, I do have a bit of a hankering for African carvings. So, um, because, I, because I went out to celebrate my birthday with Jiro, he gave me a birthday present. And, and this was the, my birthday present from Africa. This is my, uh, my latest African carving. It's quite heavy. Do you want to have a... Isn't it? It's one of, it's one of the three monkeys, the three wise monkeys. See no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. And uh, th- this one is see no evil. Um, now, when my, um, when my daughter sends me a text message at the end of a school day and she's had a rough day with the children, 
Um, now, this is the picture that she sends me, those, those emoticons that you get. Well, you can get the, the wise monkeys in, in the emoticons. Do you want to come and see? There you go. Do you want to, do you want to, quite heavy. Do you want to have a grab? There you go. Isn't it good? Yeah. There you go. There you go. So there's three of them, you see. This one is see no evil. Can you? Yes. Can you do see no evil with your dolly? Okay, right. So we've got see no evil here, here no evil. Anyway, this is what Rachel looks like in her emoticon at the end of the day. Yes. There you go. Can you? It is. The, the, the beauty of any real sculpture, I don't understand sculptures you're not allowed to touch. Because to me, when you get a piece of sculpture, the first thing I want to do with it, if it's a good piece, is, is touch it. You know, it's very tactile. So, so as I say, here's my, friend, my, my latest sculpture from the Gambia. And we are going to be coming back to the Gambia before the end of the service. But um, before we do that, I thought we'd have some Bible readings. So we're going to hear from the prophet Isaiah. And then we're going to hear from the Gospel of Luke. Thank you. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices... What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling into my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate them with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like like wool. Amen. Gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, headed Zacchaeus the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I shall half of my possessions to the poor, and I shall have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you very much. I've been a Methodist all my life. And those of you that know me will know that I'm very comfortable being a Methodist. I I like being a Methodist. But I have been thinking recently about what it is that I like about being a Methodist. Partly, if I'm honest... It's because I'm not sure what else I'd be if I wasn't a Methodist. I went to an Anglican school. And um, that was fine. But ultimately, there is something about me which is a little bit of a nonconformist, let's be honest. There's also something about ceremony and pomp which I think people, some people probably find very helpful, bringing them into the presence of God. But I have to be honest, it doesn't really do it for me. I watched the events around the Queen's funeral. And I thought, we really do pomp and ceremony quite well in this country. But I wasn't sure that I really felt brought in to the presence of God. And where I did feel more of a spiritual connection, it tended to be in the Scottish services, which were a little bit more modest, a little bit less ceremonial. So I don't think I could really be an Anglican. And then then I grew up in a very ecumenical street. We had a Jewish family on one side and we had a Salvation Army family on another, but in between, next door was a Catholic priest. And um, I got to know Father Reynolds very well. But the problem I have really with the Catholic Church, I decided, it's about hierarchy. It's about the fact that, you know, if the priest tells you something, you're supposed to believe it. And that's not, not really me either. Now, the Quakers... I've got a real soft spot for the Quakers, and my favourite people are Quakers. I used to work in a homeless shelter when I was a student, and often I'd be on duty overnight with the Quaker people, and they, they were fabulous. I love Quakers, but they have to sit and be quiet. <laughs> Need I say any more? It's not, not really me. I'd love to be a Quaker, but it's not me. So... Part of the reason why I'm a Methodist is probably because there's not a lot else I I could be. 
But let's be positive. Let's think about, well, what do I like about being a mess? Well, I've already spoken about the fact that we're a bit non-conformist. And we do like our hymns, don't we? You know? So definitely hymns. Yes, that's really important to me. I like the fact that being a community, being friendly, is a really important part of being a Methodist. But what struck me, you know, was actually nearly all of the things that I value about being a Methodist are not actually about theology. They're not actually about God. They're about the way that we do things. There's a lot of things that we do in the church which are the way that we do things. We're very comfortable with them. And that makes us feel we belong. And it's great if we can find a place where we feel that we belong. Because if we find a place where we feel we belong... And if we find the kind of symbols and and ways of doing things in a church that help us come into the presence of God, then that's all very good. But it's not the whole story. And there's a cautionary tale for us in Isaiah. You know, the prophets, they really had two jobs in the Old Testament. One of them was to write the script for Handel for the Messiah, or if you prefer, they were to point the way to Jesus coming at Christmas. But the other job that they had was to call out the people of their own time, point out where they were going wrong. And Isaiah does that in some style in the passage that we heard. He lists all the things that they do in church, the kind of things that would make them feel that they were coming to God, the kind of things that they were comfortable with. And God actually said, they don't really matter to me. If they help you, well, that's fine. But they don't really what matters to me. And what's also in that story from Isaiah is the danger, which is that if we think it's all about that, then sometimes we miss the things that it's really about. So what God says through Isaiah, is before you come and give your offering to me, make sure that your brothers and sisters in need have what they need. The same prophet, his words were picked up by Jesus. Remember, Jesus goes to the synagogue. First thing that he reads to his own people are the words of Isaiah, chapter 61. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to bring good news to the poor, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. These are all the things that God was wanting his people to do in the time of Isaiah and still does today. And in the very first chapter, we find this message about all these other things that people are doing. And God's really challenging the people through Isaiah saying, is that really what it's about. Don't let it get in the way of doing what's important. And I think there's a second danger which we need to think about, which is if somebody walked through that door today, somebody knew, somebody we didn't recognise, 
Would the way that we do things make them feel welcome? Bring them closer to God? Or would they feel it's a bit like a club? They're not quite sure what the rules are. They don't quite understand how to do things. The customs and practices of our religion, whether we're Methodists or Anglicans or Catholics or Baptists or Quakers, can be great if they bring us into the presence of God, if they bring us into a sense of community. But we have to be careful because they may get in the way of doing what God is actually asking us to do. Or they may put up barriers with other people. Going back to my next door neighbour when I was growing up, Father Reynolds, one of the things I really admired about him was that he was heavily rooted in his faith, in his Catholic tradition and the way that he did things. But what I noticed was he never stopped him doing the right thing. He never stopped him putting people first. So the year that the bishop said, can't collect for Christian aid this year because money's been going to birth control programs in India. And Father Reynolds had been helping my mum out for years with Christian aid. Put round to see my mum and he said, can't collect for Christian aid this year because the bishops told me not to. And my mother said, he said, quite understand, Father. He said, but if, I, if you had a problem, Evelyn, I hope you'd come and ask me for help. So it'd be quite wrong of me not to help a friend in need, wouldn't it? That would be the important thing. I hope you'd understand that. So when somebody dropped out, and my mum had a problem, she went next door and asked Father Reynolds for help. He said, I'm so glad you've come to ask for help, Evelyn. And he went and collected the Christian aid envelopes. Now, unfortunately, when he'd done it all, the police arrived on his doorstep because they'd heard there was somebody going around impersonating a Catholic priest and taking money off people under false pretenses. So sometimes doing a good deed can get you into a spot of bother. But the important thing was that there were the practices and the conventions and the things that went with Father's religion and then there was doing what God required. And what God requires is for us to Look after each other. Look after the people out there in need. Share his love and his grace with people around us. And we should never let our customs and practices in our religion get in the way of that. And that's the the message for me from Isaiah. But what about Zacchaeus? We all know the story. Little man collecting taxes, very rich. Um, Sounds a bit topical to me, but we'll not go there. And um, it's a story we know really well. So what is there for us today in this passage? Well, I talked about the fact that I'm a Methodist because of custom and practice. The way that we do things, it suits me. I'll confess, I like being a vocal preacher. I like singing my hymns. But there is another important part. 
And that's what it's really about. That's the God bit, as Rachel would call it. And if you ask me to sum up what it means to me to be a Methodist in one word, it's not about hymns, not even about being a local preacher. It's about the importance of grace. We're not the only people that talk about grace, but it is central to our Methodist theology. It's central to our view of God. It's central to our priorities. And grace is the idea that the love of God is offered to everyone, not because of who they are, not because of what they've done, but just because God loves them. And in the world of Charles Wesley, that love is ceaseless, unexhaustible, unmerited, and free. And if you think about that encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus, that's exactly what we're talking about. Here is a man, he's been a bad man, let's be honest. He's not just been taking taxes off people, he's been keeping some for himself, he's been greedy. He's not, by most people's standards, a lovable kind of person. And yet, no one is beyond the love of God because his grace is for everyone and it's unlimited and it's available. And that's what Jesus offers to Zacchaeus in that moment and that's what Zacchaeus responds to. And it's not particularly well received, that's worth noting, by the people around Because there's a human tendency to think that some people are more deserving than others and that love should be reserved for those that are a bit more lovable. But that's not what God says and that's not what Jesus says. He says the love of God is for everyone. It's offered to everyone. And there's nothing that anyone can do to move beyond that love. And that, to me, is the heart of what we are about as Methodists. It's not that other people don't believe that, it's just that that's the focus of what we're about. That's why John Wesley, in the 18th century, stood out against the church of his day. Because he felt that that love was not being shared with all the people. It's being kept for a small minority. That's why Jesus was unpopular with so many people, because he spent a lot of time with people that other people thought didn't deserve to be loved. And Jesus said, no. I've come to save the lost. I've come to bring God's love to the people who the rest don't want to love. And time and again, Jesus was at odds with the church authorities of his day because he reached out to what they would call the undeserving poor. 
And that is the essence. When you get beyond all the hymns and all the fellowship and all the nice bits that make coming to church a great thing to do, what we have left is the God bit. And the God bit is grace, that unexhausted love. So I was a little bit challenged when I went to the Gambia this time. Because I spent a lot of time talking to Yero. And um, Yero and I have, have talked about faith matters before. But we spent a lot of time this, this week talking about it. Yero is a Muslim, a very devout, faithful Muslim. He's much better at observance than I am. In observing his faith. He lives his faith. But what surprised me in our conversations that week. Was that two words kept coming up. The first word was grace. And the second word was hope. What he kept expressing was the idea that everything we do, we can only do because we do it in the grace of God. This is a man who's one of the most important people in the continent of Africa. This is a man who is responsible for the largest development programme in 20 of the 24 poorest countries in Africa. He is, by any human standards, a very powerful person. And yet what his whole life expresses is the idea that everything we do, everything we are able to do, is because we have the grace of God. And we can only do it in the grace of God. And the second word we kept coming back to was the word hope. Because what he said his job was, was not just to feed the hungry, to prevent disease, to get people out of poverty, although that's a lot of what he does. His job is to bring hope. Because without hope, there is no future. And that hope comes from the fact that we are loved by God unconditionally. So there I am. I'm in Africa. I'm in a strange country and everything looks different. I'm with a man who espouses a different faith. And yet, at its heart, what am I faced with? I'm faced with the fact that God is everywhere. I'm faced with the fact that wherever you live, whatever your background, however big and powerful you are, the way to life is to accept your need for the grace of God. And I'm faced with a, an acknowledgement to myself of how small I am in God's universe and how all-powerful God is, because he's everywhere. So when you come into the church, please enjoy all the things that we enjoy about being church. Enjoy being together with your friends. Enjoy worship. Enjoy singing your hymns. But remember, 
And at the heart of it all is the grace of God, is the love of God. And when it comes down to it, that is what will take you through life. That is why all your hope on God is founded. And that's why that hope will never be disappointed. Amen. When I think about grace, I have to say, I do come back to Charles Wesley. And so we're going to sing one of Charles Wesley's hymns now. Love divine, all loves excelling. It's 503 in the hymn book, or it's on the screens for you now.
Now, when we, we come to the time in our service with our offertory and our prayers of intercession, when we get the chance to respond to God's grace. So we'll start by taking up the offertory. I'll be now. Thank you. Let us pray. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Now we come to our prayers of intercession and uh, when we come to praying for those who've lost loved ones recently, this week we will remember especially Jean Jones and Val Hibbert uh, and their families, both of whom passed away on the Thursday the 20th of October. So let us come to God with our prayers of intercession, let us pray. Lord God, you have created this world and you have offered to everyone in it your unconditional love and support. And yet, when we look out, we see so many problems, so many places where people are in need, so many places where people are suffering. So many places where we see the results of inhumanity. We pray for the places where there is conflict in the world. We think of Ukraine, but also of Yemen and other places that are not so often on our news screens. We pray for those people who are speaking up for peace and justice, even in conflict situations. We pray for those who are working to relieve suffering. And we pray that one day peace and justice may be restored. That one day even in these places where there is fighting, one day your love will reign and peace will prevail. We think too, Lord, of all the places in the world where there are consequences because of the conflicts that we see. We think about those places, particularly in Africa, but other places too, where there is starvation, 
because the food is not able to reach the people who need it. We pray, Lord, for those places that are suffering as a result of climate change. Areas that are now deserts that used to be rich farmland. Areas that are flooded. Areas destroyed by storms and high winds. And as the world once again meets to consider what can be done to reduce the effects of climate change going forward, we pray that all of our leaders may understand their responsibilities to the peoples of the world to keep them safe. We pray that they may have humility and understand that you have created this world for the good of all. We pray that they may have the courage to make difficult decisions to protect their people, to protect all people, to keep this world that you have made fit to live in and safe for all. Lord, as we think about our own country and the problems that we face here, as we see yet more upheaval in our leadership, we pray that our leaders may have humility. We pray that they may understand that to lead is to serve, that their role is to look after the poor and the vulnerable, to make sure that people have enough to eat and can stay warm, to stay safe, to feel hope, We pray for all those in positions of leadership, whether local or national. And we pray that this country may be one that is governed with compassion, characterized by love and generosity. A country which reflects what you have given to us. that the good news can be shared with all in very practical ways. We pray, Lord, for our community here and our churches and the place that we have in it. We thank you that we can come here together to worship you, to feel close to you. We thank you, too, that we can work together to bring that good news to the poor around us, to walk alongside those who are walking in a dark place, to express your love and grace in practical ways, ways that make a difference in people's lives. We pray for all those who are struggling, whether because of economic circumstances or because they're ill or because they're worried about the future or about family members. We spend a minute to bring in, in, to you in silence the names of those that we bring with us in our hearts. Show us what we can do to help them. Show us what we can do to help them realize 
that they're always loved by you. That your grace is for everybody. And we would pray too, Lord, for all those who've lost loved ones recently. For their families. And those for whom this is an anniversary of a bereavement. Bringing back painful memories. We pray, Lord, that they may know that your grace is for all, that your love is unlimited, and that there's nothing that can separate us from you and your love in this life or the next. So, Lord, finally we would pray for ourselves that knowing that we are loved by you, feeling safe in the knowledge that there's nothing that can separate us from you. We may feel able to go out from here, share your good news, share your grace, and bring some light into the world around us. And so our closing hymn, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Three, four, five.
in the streets of our village where the bruised and lonely dwell. Let us show the Saviour's kindness. Let us of his kingdom tell. Let us listen to our calling. Let's go into every place to preach, to baptise, to fulfil his mission. But above all, to serve with love and to share his grace. And let's start by sharing that grace with each other now. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.